Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCready and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCready. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Pinnacle Trust. I'm Neil McCready, Martin Palomo with me here today. Uh, we're going to get right to it here in just a second. Pretty big news breaking today as uh, as we start this podcast. Uh, Congress agrees on an unrivaled $2 trillion virus rescue bill is the headline from the Associated Press. We're going to talk about that, what it means, how it works how people get the money, when they get the money, all of those things. First, let me tell you, I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is that number. Call it, ask for Corey Clark, tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for, and then uh, he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's truly that simple. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest of it is uh, absolutely up to you. 662-257-1900 is that number. Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. He'll prove to you what that means when you make the call. And, uh, Martin, before we uh, talk about the uh, the bailout, historic bailout, and what it might mean or what it doesn't mean, whether it's enough, all that stuff, tell the people about Pinnacle Trust and how they can get in touch with you all. Yeah, appreciate you, Neil. Kind of, um, man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be – this feels normal, at least like a normal part of my routine because, man, I think everything has been upended for most people in the last few weeks. I mean, I'm, I truly am when I say it grateful to be back doing the podcast. Um, you know, of course me doing it from my house, not the studios at Pinnacle Trust. Um, but man, we are still open and we are still moving. Um, you know, even though we are all working remote with one or two people rotating through the office to get mail and deposit client checks and things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, this has really been, as I was telling Stacy, I mean, I was kind of complaining, but I was complaining saying, man, it feels like, you know, once in, you know, in every 10 years we have things like this happen. And it feels like guys in our industry each week feels like 30 days. And I'm sure people who are in broadcasting and journalism and media, you know, feel the same way because everything is just moving at the, at the speed of light. Um, you know, but it's really, I guess, some silver lining through all of this and Stacy messes with me sometimes saying that I'm, you know, I'm almost too positive sometimes. And when we have, you know, healthcare crises like this, but, you know, silver lining through all of this is, you know, our, our disaster recovery systems and our you know ability to be able to continue to serve our clients was not interrupted at all through this. And it really kind of forced us to lean on technology and leverage technology, which we've, we've actually done even more of in the last week. You know, one of the new things that we've done is, um, you know, we've been trying to call clients, but as I said earlier, as, as, as information changes so quickly, you almost, you only get through about 10% of your people before what you're going to call about is not even relevant anymore. So we, uh, we actually on our website, put a new tab on there called updates and, uh, Reed and I have recorded just a little commentary, audio commentary stuck on there. Uh, we've done some writing just a way to keep our clients abreast of what we're doing in client portfolios through all of this. Um, you know, how we're, how we're managing it underneath. And, um, you know, for folks that are 
doing it themselves and have really, you know, found what we call, you know, the puke zone where they just don't want to manage their own stuff anymore or don't have the stomach to manage it. Um, you know, or people who, who have advisors that, um, that maybe have fallen short a little bit in communicating through all of this. Um, you know, we certainly are still, you can get us, uh, through the main line at the office, 601-957-0323. but probably the quickest way, if you want to reach out to us, can ask what our thoughts are or what we're doing. You can read our updates on our webpage at pinntrust.com. You can click updates uh, or shoot us an email uh, at info at pinntrust.com. Um, we're really active on Facebook, uh, on Twitter. Some folks have engaged with us there as well. Um, you know, so we can we'll respond back to you there. But man, it has been the last three weeks have been anything but normal about the only consistent normal thing that I've had in the last three weeks is doing this podcast, man. So I'm, I'm glad to be back on. I know we were going to try to have read on today, but trying to navigate through some of the new technical stuff and me being a newbie with the technical stuff, uh, we'll try to get him back on in a future, in a future show. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not going away anytime soon. So here's no, the story. Not. Here's the story. Let's, uh, I'm going to read from the associated press. So people know uh, where my news source is coming from. Typically, Stories like this are written pretty straight. No, uh, I've read through it. I don't see a lot of uh, a lot of agenda here. So we'll start here. Dateline, Washington. Uh, earlier today, as we tape on Wednesday, the White House and Senate leaders announced agreement Wednesday on an unparalleled two trillion dollar emergency bill to rush aid to businesses, workers, and a healthcare system slammed by the coronavirus pandemic. It's the largest economic rescue bill in history. The package is intended as a weeks-long or months-long patch for an economy spiraling into recession or worse and a nation facing a grim toll from an infection that's killed nearly 20,000 people worldwide. Underscoring the effort's sheer magnitude, the bill was half the size of the entire $4 trillion annual federal budget. Quote, a fight has arrived on our shores, end quote, Said Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, we did not seek it, we did not want it, but now we're going to win it. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Shermer chimes in saying, quote, big help, quick help is on the way. I'll uh, get back to this story in a minute. I'll start here. $2 trillion, Martin, for people like me who don't really have an understanding of what that means. That is an incredible amount of money. How does that work? Uh, how is How is that money generated to put into the economy how does who pays that tab is what i'm asking um well the short answer to that question is you know american citizens and american corporations ultimately end up paying that tab you know a lot of it can be generated through um you know the sale of of u.s government bonds which you know, the argument now and one of the arguments really for it being such a, you know, a big um, stimulus is that the cost of borrowing, because if you look at where interest rates are right now, they are, I mean, let's just go ahead and call it nothing because that's, that is, um, that is really where it is, is, is it nothing? But the, the big deal is that you know, the, the amount that of interest that we would owe the interest burden on it to pay back is almost negligible. Um, so it's, you know, they are raising the money through debt. 
Um, you know, we'll, it will have to be paid back, you know, and a lot of times the, the number is shocking, right? So it's $2 trillion. Um, but when you look at it as a percentage, you know, of our, of our GDP, it's, I mean, it is a big number. Um, but it's not a, you know, it's not something that you look at that's going to, that you're going to say, oh, this is going to, you know, bankrupt the U S I have some concerns and we'll talk about it. I'll express my opinion as well. I do have some concerns with the structure of, as I understand it today, how they're going to work this thing out. And I have some questions about how they're going to work this thing out and we can kind of, let's, let's go there. Let's go there now. Let's, let's go there now. What, what are, what are, what what is, what is the structure of how they're going to do this? What, so, and then what, what are your concerns with it? Yeah, let's talk about the, So let's talk about the people that really need it the most, right? Which is the folks who've lost their, their income, um, you know, some of them because their industry was hit, and then some of it because, you know, the government has said you have to shut your doors. You have to shut your business down. You're not essential. You know, you have to shut your business down. Um, you know, Jennifer and I have some friends that have been – that are casualties of that, and they are, you know, dental hygienists – um, that are non-emergency worker. They are, you know, staff of, of, of doctor's offices that are non-emergency, you know, restaurant, we have friends that own restaurants and they're struggling through, you know, through this. And we have, I have, uh, one of my guys in my small group at church, he owns a travel business and, um, you know, he's hurt pretty bad and, you know, they're kind of hurt through, let's call it no fault of their own. Right. Um, and so the bill does look to, you know, to help those folks. And I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, the one thing I'm just really curious about is, you know, they've talked about direct cash payments. Um, we'll talk about that in a second, but for these folks that are, you know, that are unemployed, um, from what I read this morning and I realize things are changing at the speed of light. So by the time this publishes, it could be different. The, um, you know, the average unemployment check nationwide was like, right at $395 ish, 385, 395. Don't quote me on the exact number. Um, and they're going to add an additional $600 a week to that. So folks who will be getting unemployment, you know, through the, and they've extended the term of unemployment, you know, will roughly be getting, let's just call it $4,000 a month. So, you know, someone who, and I don't mean to minimize, you know, people who, who have lower paying jobs, but, you know, I was a server, uh, especially, you know, when I came back from DC and I lost my job, I went back into the restaurant business while my, I still had kids, they still had bills while I was waiting for the next job to come along. And, um, you know, I was super lucky to make $2,500 a month and I was working my tail off. Right. And so, you know, some of these folks are going to get 4,000 bucks a month. Um, you know, and they might not have been making half of that, um, prior to, and, I don't think that they're making any discrimination on, you know, saying, Hey, if you were a server and you made $2,500 a month, you're only going to get paid 2,500. I think it's just, you know, bam, it's 985 or $995 a week for unemployment. And that's good. Um, you know, that's going to help folks not go bankrupt, not, you know, not cause themselves financial catastrophe or, or harm, you know, during this process. Um, but you know, one of the questions I have is, you know, for what, what's going to be done with that extra money is, you know, is, are they going to spend in the economy? Cause that's ultimately what we need for the economy to, 
accelerate out is we need cash coming back in. My big fear is people who get, you know, who are really needing it, they're going to spend the money on their bills, which they need to. They need to not get evicted. They're going to spend their money at the grocery store. They're going to spend their money at Amazon. They're going to spend their money at Kroger. Well, those places are already getting monster amount of cash flow in, right? Those are not the areas that need it the most. The ones that need it the most are, you know, the restaurants, the hotels, the airlines, the ones that, you know, that really took a, took a hit. And so, you know, this kind of parlay. But isn't that, but, but isn't that part of the buyout though? Isn't that that part of the, of the bailout that those industries are going to get money? As it sits this today, isn't yes. all. This isn't all going to individuals, right? I mean, this is no, mostly. No. Yeah, I mean, no small businesses. Well, that was. I think that was the Democrats' big holdup, right? Was they're saying there wasn't enough for, for individuals. Um, so yeah, I mean, small businesses are getting some. You know, there's going to be assistance for corporations, as well. So and then public health and states are getting money, as I, as I understand it, you know, as it was written today. But so I mean, you think about the industries that are hurt and we haven't even talked about the energy industry yet. Right. Cause that's a whole other meltdown that's happening simultaneously. That is totally exclusive of the coronavirus stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there are, there's money that's going to need to go back into the system, um, to, to pull the economy out of here. It's going to be, you know, the restaurants are going to need to have money cash flow going in. They're going to need business back hotels are going to need the same thing, you know, travel is going to need the same thing. So, you know, if I'm just my biggest fear, and this is me being probably an extremist about it is, you know, people are going to get, spend the money in the grocery stores, they're going to spend their money on Amazon. They already got high demand coming in. I mean, they can barely, they're higher. Most of those are on Amazon, Kroger, you know, one of the grocery stores in Miami, Sedano's on a hiring spree right now, trying to get people in picked up, you know, and ultimately I think that's where a lot of folks who, have been displaced may end up going temporarily until their, you know, restaurant opens back up until their, you know, hotel opens back up or whatever, wherever it is they were displaced from. So anyway, um, sorry, man, I'm taking a, a sip of water. Um, with the direct cash payment stuff, you know, that's where they were talking about, you know, someone, a family that makes, um, you know, somewhere, you know, 250,000 and less is going to get, you know, 1200 bucks per adult. Um, and then, you know, and then what $500 per child, uh, I think is, is what's in there at the moment. Uh, you know, for a lot of folks that are still working, that didn't lose their job, let's call them the white collar folks. You know, I'm, I'm hopeful that they will spend in the economy. Um, you know, maybe, and this is, you know, me splitting hairs and I can be a Monday morning quarterback all day long and say things I would have done different, but you know, maybe the delay, a delay in getting direct cash payments to, um, you know, to folks who really don't need it, but can help stimulate the economy. Um, cause you know, if they give, if like, if they give me cash right now, I'm just going to sit on the cash until Disney opens back up and then I'm going to go to Disney world. So, but that's not doing any, that's not helping, you know, the economy right now either. I know there's, I'm not sure how they're going to do all that either. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming we'll get more details on that as, as it comes out, but I am curious, you know, that's a, that's a huge burden for the IRS to figure out the direct cash payments. 
And I guess it'll be you would have to have filed your 2018 taxes to be eligible for it. What say you, man? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't know. I, I I'd love to think that you had to, you had to file 2018 taxes to get it, but there are a lot of people out there that didn't file 2018 taxes, and I don't. Yeah, I mean, I imagine there's probably a lot of people out there that are going to be that need it a lot that have been displaced that probably didn't file their taxes. So it'll be interesting to see how that one shakes out, man. Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, who has uh, pretty much become sort of the one of the faces of this of this pandemic, he says it's not enough. "Quote: I'm telling you, these numbers don't work." Uh, Joe Biden, the Democratic candidate, says the package quote goes a long way. Said it requires strong oversight to ensure the wealthy don't benefit at the expense of workers. He proposed forgiving at least ten thousand dollars student loan debt. Uh, the, the the political fight has just been just it's been awful, man. Yep, it's been a terrible look. I'm for throwing all of them out, starting over. But um, <laughs> man, I I said that too, and I, but I don't know. Gosh, man, I don't know who I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Sending some, someone to D.C. to do this either. So, yeah, I don't know, man. That's a it's like a job that I sh- I sure don't want. Uh, let's see what else. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. One of the things that gets mentioned in the AP story is it's a months long or weeks long, um, provision. What happens, Martin? I mean, is, is that enough? How, how long? Yeah, I know you don't know the answer to this. I'm asking for a guess. How long of, how long of a bridge is $2 trillion? That's a good question, man. Um, you know, I think let's just go with with what we what we do know, right? That um, so you know the unemployment insurance timeline was expanded by you know an additional thirteen weeks. So I mean, realistically, that's let's call that an additional three months on top of you know the already six months. Um, so you got nine months worth of unemployment insurance there at a really, really, really high rate, right? So for three times the amount that you normally would get in unemployment and then, you know, essentially a 50% extension in time to receive the benefit. So, you know, just looking at the unemployment side, that's an additional, that's nine months for folks to, you know, be able to try to, you know, wait this thing out for, you know, for us to see a recovery and man, and and that is so much hinging on the, do we get out ahead of, of this infection spread thing and can get back to normal? And I know that, you know, the president has caught a whole lot of grief for his, you know, pipe dream of everything being back functioning by Easter Sunday. And man, I just don't see how that's possible. Cause if you look at a state like ours, Mississippi, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of us went ahead and kind of did the self quarantining and the, you know, and, and doing the, the 14 days. I mean, I mean, my family is on, we're on day, what, 12 of, I think we're on day 12 of self quarantining and trying to stay away. But, you know, there's a lot of families that haven't and people that are 
still out and about. And, you know, you look at countries like India that just locked down 1.3 billion people for 21 days. Um, you know, and that's the unknown piece, man, is the verdict is still out on, you know, will we be ahead of this thing? I mean, I've been, and I know you have too, you've probably looked at more than I have, Neil, but, you know, I've tried to look at all these different data plots of, you know, where we are versus other countries in the world um, with rates. I realize that we're a large population versus a country like Italy. Um, but, you know, but I don't know that, I don't know that we've taken the measures to, to really kind of to lock down and make sure this thing doesn't spread. And then the other piece is, man, hell, if there's a second wave that's just as insane or crazy as the first wave, I mean, that could cause even more um, disruption and chaos in the markets too, because realistically our, our economy could probably be shut down for 30 days and we would be hurt, but we wouldn't be crippled. But man, if we're shut down for two or three months, I mean, you're talking about catastrophic consequences that are rippling worldwide. So it's not a yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what I think about it. I, I've gone back and forth. Listen, I, I'm 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 going to be very critical here for the people who are going to be offended. This is not on Martin. It's not on Stacy. This is me. I, I think Tate Reeves. Some of his comments are disgraceful. It is to be flippant about this. Is uh, is is revelatory, in my opinion, of, of either a complete lack of intelligence or a complete lack of empathy or both. Some of the things that he's done today without, in my opinion, from my understanding, without even reaching out to community leaders around the state, just saying, no, no, there, there will be no, not even a shutdown. There won't be limitations. He wants to open the state completely back up, despite the fact that this state is bordered uh, by an absolute crisis in New Orleans. Yeah, that that is That is that is threatening the entire hospitals system in Louisiana and the fact that, uh, that there's, there's concerns in, 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 uh, in Tennessee, in Memphis, right up above where I am, uh, all the way into Nashville. Nashville has been one of the early epicenters of this. Yep. Um, I, you know, I mean, look, I get it. I do. I understand. We got to get back to business. You, you got to do this. You got to do that. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. There's another side to this. And and this is where I'm with I'm with Cuomo at the risk of upsetting a lot of people. At what price human life? Yeah. No. I mean, and I mean, look at the dude out of Texas. And, and listen, was like, and listen, and, and and here's what bothers me about Tate Reeves and some of the hardcore Republicans, and I vote Republican. But here's what really bothers me: you can't be as pro-life as they are. And I'm not I'm not anti-pro-life. I'm not not at all. I'm I'm pro-life. But if you're going to stand up and say, I'm pro-life, you can't be well unless you're 65 and plus, man, because then that doesn't make sense. If you're for life, you're for life. If life comes first, then life comes first, Martin. Yeah, I mean, dude, look, and I don't, I don't disagree. I'm in the same boat as you of, you know, I, I really wish that we could – and I guess he's leaving it up to communities and you've seen it in the news, man. Like there's been towns that are saying, we're not going to wait on uh governor to, to get to tell us what to do. We're just going to go ahead and do it ourselves. Um, you know, and it's kind of, it's unfortunate that, uh, well, you know what? I'm not even going to say that good for those community leaders for doing what they need to do to take care of their people. And, and look, I realize also some of Tate's, you know, drive and I'm not trash talking him on here, but some of his drive is, 
is most likely too that he does not want to be the dude that also gave in to government control, right? Because you know, as Republicans or as the right, the most you know, the most the majority of them believe you know less government interaction is better in life, whether it's business or your personal business. And you know, I imagine they probably look at this as the federal government trying to meddle in their affairs. And look, man, like I have. I have some friends and I, we all have them that the, that are posting stuff on Facebook and it almost sounds conspiracy theory stuff, but they're saying, you know, this is the government testing you to see how much of your liberties that you're willing to give up, you know, and, and there's, so you have like 40% of the people who are, and I'm making statistics up out of my butt. That's what you do with statistics. There's a lot, a large portion of our society is saying, Hey, this is for real. Let's, let's, let's live in reality. Let's do what we're supposed to do and get out ahead of this thing. You have probably equal a number of people saying, you know, this is a hoax. This is government control. This is, you know, um, a, a, this is a battle that's being fought between China and the U S and they're using the people as pawns. And then you have the other portion of the people. I don't know what the hell they're, they're thinking. I mean, you got folks that are, you know, and I, and so I fall in the, upper end of the millennial generation, the lower end of the Gen X. So I'm kind of like a cusper and, you know, and there's, uh, it's, it's the millennials are always getting the, the shit for, uh, well, I just said that on air. Sorry. We're not going to edit that It'd out. Right. Uh, we're It'd all, you know, we're getting the, cr- the crap for, uh, you know, us being irresponsible and not doing what we're supposed to do. Well, that's really a lot of what you're seeing on, you know, of kids being irresponsible is the Gen Z. It's not, it's not millennials. It's the millennial. I think the, the the millennials have a lot of them have heeded the, you know, the advice to, Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to self quarantine. I mean, almost all of my friends that are my age have, have tried to do their part. And that's, you know, I think that's what makes us one of the greatest countries in the world too, is, you know, we'll take a punch and we're going to keep on going. Um, you know, and we're resilient people, but man, there's just, there's, it feels like half of the country is saying, Hey, we're going to comply to get over with this thing. And the other half of the country is, you know, pointing their fingers saying, you know, y'all are stupid. Y'all are letting the government control you. And, you know, and, and I guess like I could see their point of view too, but, but this is real. And, and if this is government control, we have a really effed up government. If they're going to try to control people with biological warfare, which I mean, I don't put it past, a government to do that and now we're getting into conspiracy theory stuff but yeah and i don't want to do i, I want to stay on topic uh, yeah. tate reeves has issued an executive order for restaurants and bars to have dine-in option despite covid19 uh he basically has undone via an executive order a lot of the uh the things that have been done in tupelo and oxford and other yeah i mean man i'm just not i'm not comfortable doing that with with my family um you know, there may be, there may be some reason that other people might do it. I'm just not, I'm not comfortable at this time, you know, doing that. I just, I don't know, man, there's too much risk. The risk is not worth the reward. Do you have to reopen? And if you reopen and, and you, your restaurant's crowded and people find out that the, that the virus spread through things at your restaurant are you are you, are you liable? liable absolutely uh, and beyond are you liable are you morally liable sure well i think you know and, morally and so, liable those are, yes. those are questions and those are questions that i can tell you but if you if 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 you are allowed to be reopened and you don't reopen can you then go get the federal aid that's been offered if 
you technically don't qualify for it because you're in a state that's not on lockdown, if you will. It's a there's a lot here. Yeah, that, I guess it's slippery and I'm slope, not, you know, man. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not an attorney, but I I do wonder. I I wonder now if if you own a a restaurant in Tupelo or you own a restaurant in Oxford. I don't know whether Jackson had had shutdowns yet. If I, I know they those have, two yeah. towns have. So I'll, okay, so if you own a restaurant in Jackson, if if um, you know if if it's the Manship or or here in Oxford, one of my advertisers is Rafters uh, Music and Food on the Square, and and uh, you know I'm going to ca- call Hudson in a little bit because uh, you know Hudson Chadwick who runs that restaurant, he and I had talked you know last week, and he said, hey, you know we're gonna we're gonna shut down because if I open up, am I contributing to the problem? Yeah. And then of course Robin Tannehill, the mayor here in Oxford. Uh, took that decision away from him, pretty much at their urging. The restaurant owners in town said, "Hey, shut us down, make it curbside only yeah. if, if we want to do it, and and uh, you know take the, take it away from us. And then when we get it, when we come back, we can come back safely." That was pretty much the consensus. And so now, you know that that has been taken away from from the mayor, uh, from Robin Tannehill. So instead, it's it's the governor saying, "No, you have to have dine-in options if you're going to do the curbside." And so now if you are running a restaurant, you have a decision to make. Do I open up? Do I open up my bar? Or do I now just go, nope, I'm going to close the whole thing down because I can't, I don't want to contribute to it. Yeah, that is some gray area, man. Um, And I think that, you know, I think that most business owners too are, are looking out for the welfare you know, especially small business owners are looking out for the welfare of, of their staff as well as, you know, the general public, because, you know, long-term if that, and I'm, this is me going off on, you know, what I think long-term, if that restaurant stays and is going to stay in business and reopen once the, once the community is, uh, you know, or everything is safe to go back to, to a, whatever normal looks like when we're done normal. And, you know, if they were reckless and caused, um, harm to citizens, people in the community. I, I can't imagine that that is going to bode well for them long term. In order to have, you know, short term business, um, and I just can't see. You know, I don't know, man. I always thought federal federal laws would would trump, uh, pardon the pun, you know, state laws. And I mean, I'm not an attorney, uh, and I didn't play one on TV, and I didn't stay in a Holiday Inn Express last night, so. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to be an attorney, um, but you know, I have, I have no idea what I, I would imagine they would still be able to apply for federal, for federal benefits because they're complying with federal law. Um, but I don't know, man, that's a great question, you know, and yeah, fascinating. And it, we're, it, we're doing this in real time. So by the time people hear this, you'll already know some of the answers, yeah. but sometimes the, you know, sometimes the real time stuff is what's fascinating. And yeah, you know, and I mean, and for small businesses too, you know, I know that there's a, a nice little carve out in the stimulus bill for, for small businesses, I think it was, you know, was roughly, um, you know, a little less than a quarter of, of the, the, the total deal was, was to support small businesses. Um, you know, and really, and they're, when they're talking about small businesses, they're really talking about, you know, 500 or less, um, you know, employees, you know, and one of the, and I was on the, I was on a call this morning with two CPAs that I want to have on the podcast. Once some of this stuff, especially the IRS stuff and this, um, stimulus kind of kind of settles down so they can really dig into the details with us. they were saying some fascinating things too about you know the a lot of what's in the stimulus for small businesses in the form of these loans 
um, from SBA, from the Small Business um, Association or agencies, uh, and it's a federal deal. And so it is a loan, a low interest loan, but there are some ways, like if you use it for operations, like paying staff that are unable to come into work because you're shut down, um, you know, that it's going to be a forgivable loan. So essentially it would turn into a, to a grant. And I can't say that that is what's actually going to be in the bill because we haven't seen it yet, but that's what's kind of being, um, leaked that that's going to be how that's going to work. But, you know, it hit the reason I was on the phone with them this morning too, is, you know, I I'm on the board and run, help run a, a nonprofit, uh, here, which is a soccer club. I'm almost all soccer clubs, are, are, are in the form of a 501c3 in the state of Mississippi. Uh, and, you know, one of the questions I had was, you know, I have contracts with my coaches and I am by contract required to pay them through, you know, through the end of their, um, through the end of the, of the year, which ends in June. Um, if, but if we don't collect dues from our parents because they refuse to pay because they're not getting training, even though we have a contract with, parents as well, you know, am I able to go to SBA and apply for that relief to be able to pay my coaches so that they can pay their bills? And, you know, I've got two of our best coaches, you know, would end up having to leave and probably go live with their parents, you know, while they're in their late twenties, if that happened. And one of their parents, one of them's from North Carolina and the other one's from Panama. So, you know, I lose two of the best coaches that I have if that happens. So that was, I was asking that question this morning and they didn't have a, you know, a solid answer for me for, um, because we don't know the details of it yet, but by the time this gets published, we will know, you know, the details, you know, I mean, Uh, you know, one of the things, one of the things I have been, I was happy about was, um, it looks like they are going to do something for like public health and the folks who are. Um, you know, in the medical industry and on the front lines of this too, which is, which is, you know, I think is good. The other thing that has been incredible, which is, I love America for this was like, you know, when GE came in and said, Hey, we'll convert pieces of our factory to build ventilators. We'll, you know, we'll jump on board. You've seen like, uh, uh, Delta blue, right. Um, making masks. Is that right? Yeah, Blue Delta Jeans. Blue Delta, yeah, Blue Delta, Delta Jeans is making. Blue Delta they've Jeans. Shut down their, their, they've shut down their their uh, jean-making apparatus for now, and they're making uh, more than, I talked to Nick Weaver today, more than 50,000 masks a week, and they're ramping up from that. Uh, and there's there's a, an absolute critical need all over the country. The The response that he got was, uh, I think, heartbreaking. The The people that just wanted wanted the mask and i think they're going to go through the mississippi department of health to uh to distribute those but man i mean and that's man that is what i love about america too is it's when we get kicked in the gut you have industry that comes out and says hey man you know we're not making blue jeans right now but we're going to make masks or we're not going to manufacture cars but you know we'll help manufacture ventilators and that's just uh, that is the one of the things that about America that I just absolutely love is is when times get tough, you know, we our industry and our people just come out and show up and and show out. And I know I I probably get accused of being the you know the glass is always full and you know the the ultimate optimist man, but I love I absolutely love that. And you know, and that was I didn't it didn't surprise me at all when uh, when American businessmen stepped up and said, hey, 
we're going to do our part and I'll stop doing what I normally do to be able to help, you know, help the greater good. Uh, let's, I'm having to reset here a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm, no I'm, worries. Uh, I'm in a little, I'm a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a little shocked actually, if you want to the truth, some of the, some of the stuff that I'm seeing, I, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense to me that, uh, that, and I hope I'm wrong. I, I've said this all along. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm, I'm the one taking this thing way too seriously. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I catch, I catch myself saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not willing to, not willing to just sacrifice sacrifice lives so i don't know maybe no, i'm maybe i'm overreacting and look man i mean and i'm not either uh and that was you know that was one of the things that, and i read an article it was actually the same day that we did our podcast with uh with dr jones and every time every time, every time we say dr jones i think of indiana jones when alan came in and um you know was on the podcast that he was the guy that was the director of emergency medicine for umc and um you know there was some talk about people just being real dismissive of, Oh, well, it only affects, you know, older people with in high risk. And, you know, I, I just, you know, again, I just go back to my mom. She does, she lives in my home and, you know, she's in her early seventies. She's an awesome person. She does have, she is falls into the high risk categories, but you know, why, why would her life be any less important because she's older and at high risk and people say, Oh, well, she's lived a good life. Well, yeah, but she, she also wants to see, you know, her three grandchildren as of right now, you know, graduate from high school, um, you know, go to their wedding, um, you know, and why, why would we deprive her of that just because she's had a quote unquote good life? I mean, F that dude. Well, and and listen, in Mississippi, the, the number of cases per capita, we're kind of up there. Yeah. I mean, you know, and and here's the thing. When every scientist tells you we're not at the peak yet, Decent chance we're not at the peak yet. Yeah, I, I believe them. <laughs> and, and so, I, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I'm not one of these people that's going to say, well, you know, those scientists, they're like, they're like weather people. They're like meteorologists. You know, they, they, uh, they, they just tell you the worst case. They tell you the hurricane's going to be really bad and then it's not. Yeah. Do you want to be overprepared for the hurricane or yeah. underprepared for the no, hurricane? No, totally, totally over. And I, and the same thing here. I mean, I know exactly what you're saying, man. Yeah. I would rather us wake up in three months and go, Dude, what the hell was this all about? Nothing happened. Then us wake up in three months going, oh my God, the world is, you know, our economy is crushed. Our healthcare system is overrun because we did nothing. Um, this podcast is also brought to you by the refrigeration company, TRC, owned and operated by Jeremy Watler. He's been in the refrigeration field for more than 20 years, including five as a national service manager. TRC understands that great service means being responsive they're highly trained responsible dedicated staff available 24 7 to ensure your complete satisfaction they specialize in ammonia refrigeration but they work on any other hfc hcfc or co2 systems they're building winning relationships with customers in baking cold storage warehouses ice production facilities and facilities serving dairy food poultry and catfish processing they're based in spanish fort alabama but they're licensed in texas louisiana mississippi tennessee in South Carolina as well. They can handle all of your company's refrigeration needs, including installation, fabrication, service, compressor rebuilds, ammonia detection, calibration, vibration analysis, and more. To learn more, get in touch with Jeremy Watler, 251-348-8533, or email him at jeremy at com. You can also follow them on Facebook or at their website, therefridgeco.com. 
We're also brought to you by Elite Dental Care with offices throughout West Tennessee in Germantown, Jackson, and Trenton. Elite Dental Care has five doctors with more than 75 years of combined experience and with their different areas of expertise, the doctors at Elite Dental Care offer convenience along with the latest in technology. In addition, Elite Dental Care is a family practice so the entire family can be seen no matter age or severity of problems. They focus on staying up to date on all the latest technology, including intraoral cameras, digital x-rays and impressions, 3D x-rays, and more. Their TVs and radios in every room give patients the comfort of home, all while they receive the most modern technological treatment. They offer both conscious sedation and IV sedation for patients that are anxious or scared, or for those that might not be fearful, but they just have a lot of work to get done and they can't afford to take time off of work for the multiple visits. With sedation, Elite Dental Care is able to get much more work done in one visit, which ultimately saves the patient time and money. So if you're looking for a dentist in West Tennessee or the Memphis area, call Dr. Mark Harper, Dr. Clint Buchanan, and Dr. Mike Farah at Elite Dental Care. To reach them, go to EliteDentalCare.com or follow them on Facebook and or Instagram. Uh, last Five minutes or so here, Martin. Um, What happens from here? Yeah. Well, let's talk, um, dude, let's talk markets for a minute because if we don't, we've, we've really missed an opportunity. Um, So, well, one of the markets have bounced back the last couple of days. Why is that just because of the influx of money? uh, The short answer is, is there is no logical reason why it happened because we have no hard concrete stimulus package. We have no data. Uh, it's just, it's all based on speculation. And so the week before markets were down, I was, it was, it was gut wrenching, man. I was like 15%. And then in the last two days, you know, markets are up, you know, another, as we stand right now at, you know, 215, an hour and a half before market close, you know, the Dow's up 6% today. It was up 12 yesterday. So call that a 18% return. Um, you know, and so things are just moving at the speed of light. It makes zero sense. There is no rhyme or reason behind it. So like people who think they can trade this have lost their absolute mind because if you think that there's a reason that the market was up, you know, as high as it was yesterday on no news other than, Hey, there's a potential stimulus package coming out. Like that's insanity. Cause that's only two of the three legs of the recovery even being able to be mapped out, we still have zero idea where we are in the curve. And we probably won't know for, I mean, I say zero, we don't have enough data to really tell where we are in the curve. And it's probably going to be two weeks before we do that. So we have no idea whether we're going to have an L-shaped recovery where we've, we've, we dove off the cliff, which we did, followed by you know, a, a bottom that's just flat all the way across for a couple months. And then, you know, a shoot back up. Is it going to be U-shaped? We have no idea. So it's all speculation. So like now more than ever, like people who got out and tried to time to get back in, you missed it, dude. If you weren't in on Monday, you missed it. And it might drop back down. It might not. But like if you got out on, you know, Friday of last week after markets were down 15% and you're like, I can't handle this anymore. And you were in cash for the next three days. You missed it. You missed the, you missed the bounce back up. And there's, and that's what happens in things like this is it moves so fast that you cannot time it. And I mean, maybe the dudes with the crystal balls can do that, but 
the average American, even your advisor can't time it. And that's just why staying the course and we've been buying a little bit on the way down. And then we just got super lucky. I'm not even going to call us, you know, skilled. We did a rebalance on Monday and we bought more stock, but that was just because we have our investment management meetings, excuse me, investment management unit meetings every Monday. So we made changes to the portfolio. We went to cash. We took profits from the things that were profitable, like our alts and our bonds. And we bought stock on Monday. And then, you know, everything took off Tuesday. If our IMU meetings would have been on Fridays, we would have missed it, man. Or Tuesday or Wednesday, we would have missed it. We were just lucky that our our meetings were on Mondays. So, I mean, what the markets are doing are are just really just short of insanity because there's no logic behind it whatsoever. And until we know where we are on the curve, you know, even people who are guessing, um, you know, when the recovery be, how long it will be, it's just that they're guessing, they're speculating. They don't know this. We, our partners are some of the smartest people on the street and they don't know either. And they'll tell you that they're not, they're not ashamed. They'll tell you, we don't know, but there are, one of the things we haven't talked about is, you know, energy, energy has been hurt really bad and it's totally separate from all of this stuff. So, you know, oil has, I mean, took, took a nosedive, you know, energy companies were battered pretty bad. There will be some recovery out of there as well, but it's going to take a little bit of time to, you know, for that to recover as well. So we've kind of had, you know, a left hook and a right jab, you know, in the economy that are totally unrelated to each other. One was not related to the other at all. So, man, it's been, it has been wild times. Um, you know, the best thing that you could have done as an investor was to just stay the course. And if you stayed the course, man, you're winning. I know it doesn't feel like it, but if you stayed the course and just stayed invested, you're winning. Even if you didn't buy stocks on the way down, you're winning. But the people who, people who got out and are sitting on cash in cash on the sidelines, I don't know. You don't get very many plus 12%, you know, followed by plus 6% days that just, it just doesn't happen, man. And I mean, and, and it might go back down, but it might not. And if it doesn't, you missed it. You missed the yeah. boat. Well, I, I listened to you guys. I listened to some other people and just, I just rode. I just, I, you know what I did. I, and I think this is something that's hard for people to do, especially in, in uh, the environment which we live in, where you, you can get instant information yes. at all times. I just ignored Turn it. I, off. I turned it off. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I said, I'm not going to allow myself to panic. I'm just going to, yeah, I'm I just going to roll. Dude, and that is the best thing you could do. Let your advisor panic for you. That is what you pay your advisor to do, is to panic for you. But then also, your advisor should be, you know, trained well enough to know that you do not make emotional decisions with people's livelihoods. That is a, that is the slam your hand in the drawer rule number one. You do not make emotional decisions with people's livelihoods. And that's really the value of advisors. And, and if you have an advisor, um, when all this is over, check on them because they're not okay. They're, you know, they'll sound okay to you on the phone, but man, they're crushed on the inside because it's, I mean, it is gut wrenching to watch people's livelihoods that you're responsible for gyrate, even though it's not our fault, it's still, you know, it's awful to watch. And so don't be also, don't be surprised if your advisor takes a vacation when, 
all this is over because they need some mental health <laughs> if they're not already yeah. doing yeah, something on their own. A lot of people needing mental health when this thing yeah. is finally no, over. No, you're, oh. you're right. I shouldn't, I should not say only advisors. You're absolutely right. There will be a lot of people needing mental health. More people that more people that need it than people that don't. I suspect, dude. Look, I'm glad. I'm just grateful that right now I have a therapist that I get to talk to every week, and because I've talked to him a lot about, you know, and mostly he's like, "What are you doing to take care of yourself through all of this?" And I'm like, "Man, I haven't even been thinking about myself." He's like, "Dude, you have to run. You got to exercise. You got to do something for yourself to make sure you're healthy." And I'm like, "Yep, that is. You're totally right. He's my coach." Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, listen, we'll stop there. We'll yeah. be back. Uh, we'll be back. This time, well, actually a little bit earlier next week with another edition of Mind on My Money. God only knows what the landscape will look like six days from now. It'll look different for sure. For Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. That does it again. Don't forget, pentrust.com, P-I-N-N trust.com. Mention that you heard about Pinnacle Trust on this podcast. You'll get 10% off of your first year's fees. Until next time, take care.